As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. It's like that book, Who Moved My Cheese? I remember reading that way back when and like, I don't even know, elementary school, junior high, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And it's just such a basic concept, but it's so true. You just have to be adaptable. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E. You're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template 
should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and we're back for another actively passive investing episode with Travis Watts. Travis, how are you doing today? Theo, doing great as always, man. Thrilled to be here. Perfect. Well, we got another great episode for you today. We're going to go over another one of Travis's blog posts. And today we're going to talk specifically about the four steps for achieving success in real estate and in life. So this advice we're going to go over today can apply to your real estate business, active or passive, and it can apply to your personal life whether that be relationships, whether that be any sort of personal goals you have, whether that be really anything, right? You can apply this to really any aspect of your life, which is what's really great about these steps. So I'm going to let Travis kind of quickly go over the four steps. Then we'll go dive into more detail. But I guess first, <laughs> I forgot, we need to go over why Travis wrote this blog post. So Travis, let's start with that. And then we'll go into the details. I don't know why I always forget that. I always say that and you're just like, and they go to you and you're like, well, let's take a step back first. And so <laughs> I did it myself this time. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Yeah. I just like to paint a little color to it. So it's just been on my mind. This actually isn't my latest blog. This was one I wrote, I don't know, maybe six months ago or something like that, but it's 12 really... months ago. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> like you said, it's important whether you're active, whether you're passive, whether you're just getting started, whether you're underway and have been for a long time, this is kind of the core underlying fundamentals of being an investor, setting goals, mindset, a lot of things that we talk about on this show. And, you know, me, I just kind of like to take these huge abstract concepts and just try to simplify them. Here's four things to think about. Here's five ways to look at it. Here's 10 questions to ask a GP. I like writing stuff like that. So that's kind of what this one is. I was thinking about my wife and I, we recently did a Tony Robbins event. And of course, that's a lot about mindset and limiting beliefs and things like that. And it just reminded me of the things I did very, very wrong <laughs> when I was trying to uh, first get started. And even before I dove into real estate and realized that was the thing that was really going to hook me and I was going to move forward with. So it's really just four things that can help anybody and everybody. And it's something to think about. And hopefully our listeners can get some value out of these. So first, I'm just going to give the four steps. I'm not going to go into detail about what they are. We'll do that next. But I just want to lay them out so that you know what we're talking about today. So the first step is know why you want your goal. And then number two is take massive action. Number three is expand your knowledge. And then number four is be adaptable to change and fine tune what you're doing to ultimately get the result that you're looking for. Those are the four steps. And before I go on my long rant, <laughs> do you have any thoughts, Theo? Yeah, obviously I do a lot of interviews. I talk to a lot of investors, passive investors, active investors, other real estate professionals, other business professionals. 
And I remember for the longest time, before I started doing the interviews, I'd be like, well, why are they giving their secrets away? Kind of their secret sauce of what's made them successful to other people who could potentially be their competitors, right? And then I kind of came to realize, not really on my own, but I've heard at least one person that I've interviewed said this is that, look, the reason why I talk about what I do to potential competitors is that most people aren't even going to take action on it, right? I mean, the first step is actually doing something. And most people listening to this, he says, probably aren't going to do it. So they're not really going to be my competition anyways. So when I think of that, it reminds me of these types of conversations that we have, these types of four-step processes, 10 things you should do, and how they're very simple. First of all, it's not rocket science, right? There's just four very basic sentences uh, that are pretty self-explanatory. And it's something that really anyone who's successful is doing, but just because it's simple, just because it might be the secret to success, doesn't mean that every single person is going to do it. So my point is, is that really the overarching thing to success is actually doing something and actually taking action on what people are talking about. You can listen to these shows, you can listen to these step-by-step processes, you can hear these secrets from all the people we interview, and it's not going to be fruitful unless we actually go out there and take action. And that, as Travis says, he likes to take these really abstract things and then break them down into digestible chunks. And how I was talking before, how this can apply to anything, you can apply this to any type of real estate investing, whether it's passive or active, and be successful, right? Someone has done that. And so the goal is just to do something. So if I could give this one piece of overarching advice just to take action on something that you hear from one of these shows. And it can be starting with what we talk about today. So Travis, go on your rant, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point, Theo. I actually make that a rule now. When I read a book or I'm listening to Audible or something like that, this is my rule to myself. I must take some kind of action that pertained to the knowledge that I gained from that book. Because what happens is I found out if I just read a book passively, put it down, go on with my life. I forget, statistically, we all forget 90% of what was even in the book. And then later I think back of how much time I had spent doing that. And it feels like a complete waste of time, right? I might as well have just turned on Netflix and zoned out, right? (laughs) So that's what gives me kind of that momentum and that drive and that confidence to move forward. So that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. All right, so let's dive into the first one. I'll use a quick story here, I guess, on each of them, something like that. So I said, know why you want your goal. So a lot of people talk about goal setting, and there's retreats you can go to, and there's books on it, and it's great just to set goals, but how many people, to your point earlier, actually take action and follow up on any of this? It's great that we all make a New Year's resolution, whatever, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year. But then by March, statistically, everyone's kind of failed on that, you know, going to the gym five days a week or whatever it may be. So here's something I picked up and I forget who it was that taught me this, but if you ask why three times and you can confidently answer why three times to one of your goals, it's likely a good goal to have. So I'll walk through that in a practical sense. If somebody says, I want financial freedom. Okay, noble goal. A lot of people want that. So why? So I can quit my job. Okay, why? Well, so I can be home with my family more. Okay, why? Well, because I really want to spend more time with my kids as much as possible 
And I had parents that were gone all the time on work trips, and I just don't want to end up being that parent. It's very important that I'm present as much as possible. That's probably a pretty good goal to have, right? Because you could answer why three times to it. But here's what I hear all the time as being director of investor relations. And just on a personal note too, networking with tons and tons of investors. When I ask people about their goals, what I hear more often than not are numbers. Why are you in real estate or or what's this multifamily stuff all about for you? What are your goals? Oh, to have $10,000 per month. Why? Well, that'd be some good money, you know, like to have that amount of cash on hand. (laughs) So I would say dig a little deeper because what'll happen with those types of goals is the first roadblock you hit where you lose money or a shift of economy or or whatever happens, you're probably going to give up and say, well, this stuff, I thought it was good, but I guess it's not. So I'll figure out something else to do with my time. And to your point, most people don't take action in the first place. If they do, they end up in a rut like that. So that kind of covers number one. Don't just set goals, but know why you want your goal. Do you have any thoughts on that before I move on? Yeah. One thing based on what you said, and one thing based on what's in this blog post. So this is more of just a comment, but this kind of strategy of the three whys or the five whys or whatever, I mean, a lot of corporations will do that as well for their quarterly goals, for their monthly goals. So this is something that multi-billion dollar companies are doing to accomplish their goals. Their whys are a little bit different than what ours are going to be, but the concept still applies. And then secondly, I'll come across a lot of people that I interview who are also doing their business with their significant other, right? Their wife or their husband. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that in your blog post, you said, I found an amazing wife that shares this same passion This significantly amplified the action I was taking. So you can kind of relate to that. Now, my question for you is what if someone has kind of the opposite? What if someone is taken from the passive investor lens, right? They are working as a doctor or whatever, and they're investing in the 401k and they come across the show and they want to start passively investing and their significant other wants nothing to do with it. They think it's a horrible idea. They think, no, you need to keep investing in the 401k. It's what my dad did, his grandpa did, it's what everyone says we're supposed to do. This real estate thing is not going to work. So what are some things, whether from your kind of experience talking with people or interactions you've had with your wife, that we can get our significant other on board with our real estate investing? Or I guess this applies to anything new, but specifically real estate investing. That's a great point. And I am very fortunate and grateful that my wife just genuinely has an interest in some of the same things I do, one of which is investing in real estate, which is incredible. But to that point, a lot of significant others and spouses are not. So I do have some firsthand experience with this in my own family. So I'll take that example of, in this example, it's the husband who's very interested and into the real estate and the cash flow and the passive investing and all of that and the spouse saying, hey, this is foreign language to me. I don't get it. It seems risky. I don't want to take part. Let's not do it. Let's just keep our money in the bank, that kind of stuff. So here was the approach that was taken that was pretty much as effective as it can be. So it was having a conversation around, okay, so what are your goals then? What are your desires? What are your long-term objectives then? Despite investing and all that, what would be some fun things you'd like to do in, in life or whatever? What it ended up for the wife was being able to take people on trips that could otherwise not afford to do so and spending time with them. So being that person who could provide the trip, 
So where that meshed together was the understanding that, okay, so if we take our money out of the bank where it's earning nothing, we put it into just a few of these real estate deals that cash flow, we could then save that cash flow that comes back to us, use that to pay for these trips. And there you go. What are we really doing? We're investing for experiences, which are trips with family and friends. And it was trying to find the common denominator. They both love travel and trips and things like that. So again, move away from the numbers, the analytical side of this, especially if you have a spouse that's not interested or they don't do the math or the numbers. It's going to be too hard to keep pushing at that and say 1% here versus five here versus nine here versus an IRR of this. You're not going to get anywhere. So just try to figure out what that could actually achieve for you in life that does matter to the other person. That's the best thing I could come up with based on my own family's Mm -hmm. experience. Another thing to add to that that I think might possibly work Mm -hmm. is to convince them through your action, which I guess is kind of a natural segue into the next step. But if they are uncertain about the future prospects of this strategy, well, if you actually do it for six months to a year or do a deal and show them that it's not that big of a deal, (laughs) then that will probably work better than showing them just a spreadsheet and saying, oh, well, you know, if you invest your 401k in 20 years, it'll be this number. And if we invest in real estate, throwing in these arbitrary numbers, it'll be this much more. But if you actually show them based off of a deal you did, I think that could also be helpful. And more so if the risk tolerance is very conservative. So what helped me a lot when I decided to go full-time passive in these apartment syndications was I sought out some mentors, meaning people who were 10, 15, 20 years beyond where I was just starting out. And they gave me kind of the inside scoop. In some cases, they would show me firsthand on paper, like these are real deals that I've invested in. I invested this amount at this date. Here's what it's returned, blah, blah, blah. And that gave me kind of that proof of concept. I was no longer reading a book and talking theory. I was talking to an individual that was really doing this firsthand. And it gave me a lot of comfort to not just find one person who was successful, but several out of these real estate groups. And that can help too, is having group meetings, conversations, attending maybe a conference or real estate meetup with your significant other so that you can immerse them a little more into this environment. Good point though. All right. So number two is take massive action. So I know we've talked on this show before about my 2015 year where I read 52 books and I kind of went crazy with that, which again, I don't fully recommend that people do that. That was a little intense and that was maybe massive action, (laughs) two levels of it. But the point is this, I wrote down these stats the other day, which I still find astounding. But as of March 2020, we're at 7.8 billion people in the world, approximately, to our best knowledge. And here's what was fascinating to me about that. It took 2 million years to get to 1 billion as a population. It took another 200 years to reach 7 billion. So here's the point. It's crowded. (laughs) It's competitive. Just get out there online and look around. Since COVID's hit, I've gotten on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. And you look at these 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds that are getting millions of views. I would say to anybody out there, go try that (laughs) because it is competitive. It's fierce. I've tried all these different segues and video topics and cool looking thumbnails and great hashtags. And I've watched all these videos on how to get the most clicks and followers and views. And I tell you, it's tough. 
<laughs> it's tough to get even 5,000 views, much less 5 million. So you have to stand out from the crowd. This is where massive action really matters because most people don't take action, as you pointed out, Theo. Definitely most people don't take massive action. We're talking about 1%, maybe up to 3% of people in, in any given niche that we're talking about that are taking massive action. Well, that's what's going to get you to a level to be competitive, to actually have a chance to become successful. If you're just procrastinating and putting things off and reading one book a year and kind of half-assed thinking about maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't, talking to one or two people here and there, you're not going to get anywhere. This is not to the point of this topic, which is achieving success in real estate and or in life in general. So any thoughts on massive action? Not really. I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. They said people either take no action, some action, or massive action. So the kind of goals would be to push yourself towards taking massive action that is smartly directed. I don't want to go too far off tangent, but I remember when I first got into real estate, I remember I went to the auditor site and I started manually logging all these properties that I wanted to, to mail to set up a direct mailing campaign. And I'm talking hours and hours and hours, like 10 to 20, 30, 40 plus hours. I'm just sitting there doing the same thing over and over again. Very dumb because I could have just very easily paid to get a free list or even for this particular service, I could have just very quickly emailed them and say, hey, can you send me this list? And they'd send it to you. And so mass, it's smart, massive action, not just any massive action. So it's not just sitting in front of your computer for 12 hours watching real estate YouTube videos. And then that's it. And saying, I took massive action today. It's smart, massive action. Yep. And again, that's why setting your goals, defining them, knowing your why would come first, right? Sure. So you've got to set your path ahead, know why you want that, and then take directed massive action. I'm sure I forget who it was, what book or, or author this came from, but 10,000 hours is considered perhaps mastery in a particular subject. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell's book. There you go. Thank you. But that's focused and applied to one specific thing. It's not just, like you said, 10,000 hours of watching YouTube. That doesn't make you a master in something. So You're a master watcher of YouTube. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, all the algorithms, everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So number three, we got two left here, is expand your knowledge. This plays into the other two, but I mentioned mentors, coaches, real estate meetup groups, podcasts like this. You've got to continue your knowledge base around a subject. You can't just set a goal and say, whatever, I want to be a billionaire, and then not understand anything surrounding what it takes to get there because you're going to ultimately fail. You've got to keep increasing your knowledge. How you got to study billionaires. You got to read biographies of billionaires. You got to look at what exactly happened in all of these cases and continue building that knowledge base around it. And just to point out again, the one thing above all action I've ever taken, I would even argue, including taking my own personal hands-on action to something has been mentors. It has been an actual person successful in what it is I wanted to do where I could actually ask a real question directly and say, if you were me in this circumstance, what would you have done or what would you do given all of these dynamics? That is powerful stuff and it's impossible to find that in a book unless that book paints your specific scenario exactly. But seeing is believing. I don't know. There's all kinds of cliches and phrases around this stuff. But yeah, find a mentor, find a coach. Just keep expanding your knowledge. I probably put 
Oh God, I don't know, five, six hours minimum per week as a passive investor into just studying up on the industry itself, what's happening, looking at other people's deals, just knowing what the Fed is doing, knowing what the government action is doing, minimum five, six hours, which is the irony, right, behind, as we've talked about, the actively passive mm-hmm. show, right? Nobody's completely passive and you may not be completely active. So it's kind of that hybrid. So that's number three. Yeah, and not to contradict what I just said about the 12 hours of YouTube, but I think it was your blog post about maybe it was how to read to 52 books in a year. You talked about some of the billionaires who would spend five to six hours per day reading. Obviously, it's a balance between taking action on your business, like actually investing in deals, and then taking action on your knowledge. So I think it's balanced, right? So it could be as extreme as someone like Warren Buffett who reads for five hours a day, or if it's something where you set aside an hour per day after work or whatever to, to educate yourself on this. But as Travis says, some effort needs to go towards expanding your knowledge so that you're taking a smart action. Exactly. And it goes back to number two, taking massive action, standing out from the crowd. It's very competitive. If you're only doing no research or 30 minutes per week, well, then what is somebody doing that's taking massive action or, or even just taking action, right? Probably more than you which is going to give you less of a chance to compete. So just keep that back in mind. So number four is so relevant to today in 2020. It's being adaptable to change and then fine tuning your process. A lot of our worlds were turned upside down by March and April. I had been going around to in-person events and conferences face-to-face and really not a lot online or social media. And I completely flip-flopped. I launched Instagram and YouTube and everything I spoke about, doing a lot of podcasting, trying to reach people digitally. Well, I had to be adaptable. I could have just been angry and just said, well, you know, I'm going to take the next six to 12 months off and wait till conferences come back. (laughs) Or I could have kept fine tuning the process, trying to reach people, opening up networking like I do with my Calendly and these 15 minute calls I do with investors. And it's like that book, Who Moved My Cheese? I remember reading that way back when and like, I don't even know, elementary school, junior high, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. And it's just such a basic concept, but it's so true. You just have to be adaptable, especially in today's technology world, automation, self-driving cars. How many people in the next 20, 30 years are going to be out of entry-level work just because of robots and automation? So you've got to always have kind of the A and the B plan and just keep working at it to stay productive and Mm -hmm. stay successful. So that was kind of the recap number four, last point. Yep. A lot of people that I talked to on the podcast, they incorporate pivoting into their best ever advice and knowing when they need to change something specific in their business plan or literally change their entire business plan. And a last point on this particular step, adapting, I think a syndications club episode, I guess it was released a week before this episode airs. And so mm-hmm. if you're listening to this in the future, go a week back and I go over two or three different mindset habits. So one of them I really liked was from someone I interviewed named Chris Benson and he calls it his cool guy list, a cool girl list too. And essentially anytime he encounters someone that impresses him, whether it be on a podcast, a book, face to face, he writes that person's name down and then he'll follow up with them constantly throughout the year to see what new things they're working on, what new opportunities they see on the horizon That way he always has knowledge rather from him stumbling around the internet trying to find it himself. He just goes to these 
very impressive people to find out what they discovered, what they know is coming up in the future and how they're changing and pivoting in their business to account for that so that he can do the same thing. So I don't know, I think that was a very interesting way to know when and what to pivot into. Yep, 100%. Totally agree. So that's really the four steps. Like you said, Theo, my advice would be the same as your advice. If anybody listening to this episode or any of our other episodes can just take one practical takeaway, this was only like 20 minutes or something, just take one thing and work on it a little bit. Like my rule to myself when I read a book, I have to at least take one action step based on new knowledge that I've obtained through reading. Like Charlie Munger says, try to go to bed a little wiser than you were when you woke up. And it's that compounding effect over a lifetime that makes a significant difference that coming from a billionaire, great advice. So that's all I got for this blog post. Awesome, Travis. Well, thanks again for joining us for the Actively Passive Investing Show. Best of your listeners as always. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we will talk to you tomorrow. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Bob Malecki and his team at Resolution Capital Management partner with individuals to invest in distressed residential mortgage notes. If you're interested in doing a joint venture with them, where basically you invest alongside with them and sharing a portion of the profits based on how well that individual project goes, then go to rcm.company forward slash JV. That's rcm.company forward slash JV.